I'm Arya Schwartz along with Ben Dull, and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. WNBA free agency is in full swing, and we're here to break down all the moves that each team has made. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com while you're over there check out our overseas tracker it's live now you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing all in one place and well you can also check out the free agency tracker Done by our yours truly, well not yours truly, his truly, Bendel, co-host of the show, uh, who's going to hop on here. If you want to check out a, a full list, a full breakdown of all the information on these moves, um, check out the, the website, winsider.com. On the website, right on the front page, you can easily access the free agency tracker. Ben's done an amazing job with it, as he does every year. Ben, how you doing? We're... In our third day of free agency, as we record this, and we'll be publishing it same day, today was a calm day. It was nice to relax. I drank a lot of tea today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm just refreshing my phone all day, waiting for something to actually happen. Yeah, it's been quiet. You're right. Oh, it, today was so annoying. I mean, I know we talked about this before the episode. I have all of my notifications set to all the different WNBA teams, just in case they put something out there, and got really sick and tired of getting the... uh you know, it's a great day. What is it? Today's uh, National Women, Girls and Women in Sports or something like that. Love the sentiment. Love the idea. Really frustrating to have my phone going buzz every five seconds for each team retweeting each other um, for sending out essentially the same message. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, that's your problem. If you're going to turn the notifications on and expect... Uh someone to talk only post about one thing right that's like if that's like people like people would be in rachel's mentions with that stuff right oh this this isn't a signing or whatever hey you can use a social media account for more than one thing hey and and as it normally is something that i'm annoyed about is my own fault so (laughs) you're wise you're right let's talk WNBA free agency i think we got to start with one of the teams that has been the most active from the negotiation period to the point of signings, the team that has had their name in the headlines the most, my hometown team, the Minnesota Lynx, we spoke on the last episode while we were recording, news broke um, of, uh, of now I'm blanking on the name, Kayla McBride, excuse me, McBuckets. Kayla McBride signing with the Minnesota Lynx. We spoke about that. Another move that has been announced since then officially is Natalie Achanwa starting the team? I have some thoughts on this. I know you have some thoughts on this. I'll pass it over to you. Give me, give me your uh, your initial thoughts to this signing. Yeah, I've thought about. I've been thinking about this one more today. Naturally, with with more time, uh, I was obviously anticipating at least wanted to at least anticipate some time to to react to something today. So I haven't <laughs> been filling that time looking at Minnesota quite a bit. And their team, 
the situation for the team is interesting too, which we're going to get to. So for Achanwa, the the price at first it was a little surprising, starting a little over like one hundred sixty four thousand. It's a protected contract for three years. So at that price, to be honest, it was surprising at first. I wondered if it was a little much. And as I've chewed on it a little bit, one thing I've thought about is one, you know, one, Achan was a good player, and there are things you can really identify that are gonna really help the links. And also putting it into context with their roster and what it looks like. If you're looking at this year, Sylvia Fowles basically making an old max. I guess you can call it with an extension from the old CBA, you would say is on a bargain deal, as is Demiris Dantas, at least a little bit, with her contract extension. And Dantas also going into 2022 as well. So starting to think about that more, if you're really lumping a Chanwa in with those two players and think of that as a three-headed front court kind of approach, and obviously Nafisa Collier can be in there too, play some three, play some four maybe even some five, obviously. But starting to think about it more like that, I, I can understand it. Extending into the third year, I think you do have to wonder what's that, what that's going to look like. Even next year, what is Sylvia Fowles' next contract going to look like? But at the end of the day, you've got Crystal Dangerfield, three more years on her rookie scale, Nafisa Collier, two more seasons as really two of your core players. So initially, maybe a little bit of sticker shock, but this isn't a Chanwa at 35, you know, towards the end of her career. So I do kind of wonder, like, how much playing time is going to be there. And maybe, maybe there's, maybe things get tight for them financially. But all things considered, I, I think I can understand it a, a little more as, as I've sat on it for a while. My, so my issue wasn't necessarily as much the high price tag but the guarantee price tag um and yeah I, yeah i i like the fit i think it's a good fit um you know there was a quote that came out that i almost take slanderous um that from from the press conference of the news release that either um i, I, I think either reeve said this or or someone said this to the effect of um Actually, let me let me pull up the exact quote because I, I don't want to butcher butcher this. Um, but essentially, it said it compared Natalie Achanwa to let me let me give the exact quote. Cheryl Reeve like, and this is from Curtis. Everyone knows Curtis does some great stuff with across the timeline. Curtis tweeted that Cheryl Reeve likened Natalie Achanwa to Taj McWilliams Franklin in terms of her leadership and willingness to be part of the play, but not need to be the focus of the play. Pretty high praise. Um, I, I I hear where it's going with that. I I just don't want to give her you know a comparison to a WNBA legend, but I do like the fit, so I, I don't want to knock it to that regard. Am I crazy for thinking that this shouldn't be a fully guaranteed contract? Yeah. So part of part of the other thing I thought about too, and we're going to talk about Indiana later. We'll see. Or maybe we won't. You know how much you're gonna find out. Can you find out about this stuff in terms of what, who else was buying for a player? What were the competing offers? I would guess there's at least a pretty good chance Indiana would have been competing with this. 
I don't know what the order of operations or the priority was for them when they ended up signing Jantel Lavender. Would they have done a similar deal for Achanwa and maybe even more money? So for now, just for now, trying to look at it from more from Minnesota's side, the I think that part has to factor in there. So maybe Minnesota did have to get to a certain dollar amount. And the protection, you know, We'll see that, you know, they have that complicating factor with Karima Christmas Kelly, who got hurt and then got waived, adding one of those onto their books. So in in those two future seasons, something else arises. I don't know that 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 future element of it with the protection, I, I understand raising that concern. Well, and, and I'll even say this, too, you know. Obviously, we there's only so much we know about the ins and outs of it. Another question that I raised that I'm not saying I have the answer for, um, but a, a question that I raise is we ha- we heard the reports of Kayla McBride and Ariel Powers coming to the Minnesota Lynx. Kayla McBride has been announced. We also heard reports of Natalie Chanwa, and that has been announced. My thing is this. From from all of our understanding, you know, obviously this is based on this is based on an assumption. The assumption is twofold, right? Ba- ba- well, the assumption isn't based on twofold so much because Ariel Powers tweeted uh, referencing, "Hey Minnesota, let's get another championship," something to that regard. So you know, she's acknowledged that the reports are true. My thing is, if I'm looking at the list of of importance of getting it done quicker, uh. I gotta say, or like just importance to this team for the next season and the next season, I gotta think that it goes, you know, you can argue with me, Powers, McBride, number one, number two, and flip that around as much as you want. I don't think there's an argument, a sane argument to be made that Natalie Chan was more important to this team um, than Ariel Powers or Caleb McBride. So another question that I want to raise that I don't think we necessarily have the answer to, I want your insight on it though, um, I, why it's why Achanwa signs first. Now the assumption, the second assumption we're working on with this is that that means that Powers has not signed because her contract is also going to be guaranteed, and they will need to move a guaranteed contract to do this. Um, whether or not that's accurate, it, it definitely can cause some question. And and you know, hey. Maybe it's Ariel Powers off doing something isn't ready, isn't able to sign the contract right now. Maybe she's on like a, a yacht or a cruise or doing something crazy. Um, but I, I'm curious your thoughts on, well, just the overall aspect of Powers not being signed yet. I don't know. <laughs> there might not be anything to it. If the players, if you've already agreed and that's that, it, it might not matter. So I don't, I mean, it, it's... I don't know. It it this your point there could be much ado about nothing. Well, okay, and and I will say that part of my point that probably is much to do about nothing does bring and like this isn't me critiquing powers. So I want to be very clear about this. It's not a critique of hers, but I was on the the press call when Alicia Clark was announced after Alicia like Coach T was very graceful. He said, I'm not gonna talk about other stuff until Alicia's done with her segment, and then you can ask me other questions. The question was obviously brought up about Ariel Powers. And obviously there's two st- there's three sides, right? There's person A, person B, and the truth. Um, 
according to Coach T, who in this case would be person A, he felt that they had a verbal agreement, uh, but there were some finer details to be knocked out. And then for certain reasons that he did not express, Powers backed out of the deal um, and explored other options. And because of that, Coach T then said, all right, well, if she's not as committed, then we're going to go with someone who is more committed. So for me, I guess, if you were the GM, would that cause, I mean, obviously you're the GM, you're working with a lot more knowledge, but I guess that's where it's coming from of this is a player who, you know, reportedly verbaled to one team and then switched. So if I'm Minnesota, should there be a little bit of fear of that happening again to you? Again, if those, so yeah, I understand you bringing that up next. I don't know if, the, you know, I don't know if it's really fair to to powers to bring that up. You know, I, like I had covered, I had talked a little bit about Tebow's remarks on my show and just, I understand why he would bring it up. And even if he was upset, but you know, a verbal agreement's a verbal agreement and it's not a signed contract. And, you know, the order of all this happening, did Minnesota come on late? Did they suddenly up their offer? Hey, it's, 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 you know, if you want to be upset about something like that, is there maybe a moral code to it? But you know, you can't like, that can only go so far. A, a player is a free agent until they sign a contract. So I don't know that I think they're, I understand wanting to bring that up. But at the same time, I, again, it just, I, I think it's a little early and premature. All right. I, I hear you. Should we move on to the next team? Got any final thoughts on the Chanwa and McBride? Yeah, well, Minnesota, with their protected contracts, Richard Cohen was the f- person I saw bring this up. So having Karima Christmas Kelly's cap hit, and even though she tore her Achilles and got waived, now Minnesota has to, you know, you kind of alluded to it, right? That they might have to do something here because you would assume that uh, Powers would uh, kind of expect, you know, one of those one of those protected slots. And to to read what Richard had said here, that they would need to trade someone. Well, yeah, basically saying that they would need to trade someone away. So you've got, if you can have six of those slots, you've got Christmas Kelly which obviously can't change. That's one of them. Fouls. Not expecting that to change. Dantas, Achanwa, McBride. That brings you to five. And then you've got Odyssey Sims. And it's hard not to think, again, if Powers is getting a protected slot, which you would expect, uh, you wonder if Sims is someone that's maybe getting shopped around right now. Yeah. And, and the question then becomes who would be interested. You know, she is unrestricted free agent next year. But you'd be paying $119,000 for her this season. She still has more gas left in the tank. You know, for me, looking at this roster, obviously, if you're the Lynx in a perfect world, you would love to keep her as a bench player, right? You know, having Odyssey Sims as as one of your, your, your first guard coming off the bench or whatever, that's not bad. That is not bad. Um, but like you said, with, with the moves that they've clearly or the, the reported moves that they've clearly been interested in making, it is definitely a signal uh, that maybe there just isn't space for Sims and that they value certain players higher than her. 
uh, for the near future. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, if it's a trade, then you have to think that who would want a person of her of her stature, of her position ability, and then who would they or what would they be getting in return is, is kind of the question on my mind of, I I mean, if you, uh, let's put on our GM caps. I'll go first. If I'm trading Odyssey Sims, I think I would prefer to get a draft pick at this point. Um, draft pick or two. You know, you you look at the makeup of this roster and it's kind of filled. And that's on that's assuming that, you know, Temi's not coming over this season and Chechi's and Lucini's not coming over this season. So for me, looking at that, the this this obviously look, you want to go into training camp with the most built roster you can and make people battle it out uh and see who makes the final roster and get the best players possible. Like, you know, pull pull the Greg Bibb, just collect as much as you can. And then when it gets to the point where you have to, you know, release some, you release some, but at that point you can only already have a better understanding. Hopefully if you were GM, would you be wanting to get draft picks for Sims or are you wanting to get a player who can produce? Well, the links, the links already have plenty of players. And I think, you know, my guess from the outside here would be that it might also be pretty tough for Minnesota because on balance, Odyssey's a good player, but people know are going to know that why Minnesota might have to do this. So that would put a potential trade partner kind of with the upper hand here, because this is something, again, if, if Powers is getting a protected contract, this would be the logical thing to bring up. So Minnesota just has to get it done. Right, if you're if you're waiting to give to get power signed on that contract, so I don't think it even matters. It just has to be a salary that you could waive, possibly a pick. You know, I, I don't know if they can even necessarily be of the mind that we we have to get someone back that's going to help us because they're not in the position of strength here. Yeah, I agree. Well, I guess and, for once, and Ben, we, so, I have the same idea. <laughs> so, do you have a team that stands out? Um, uh, I don't really, I mean, there isn't, there isn't a specific team that like jumps out to me and goes, this would be the perfect fit, right? Um, Seattle wouldn't be horrible, you know, the, losing Alicia Clark, they're going to need to find ways to fill that hole, um, offensively and defensively. Obviously they don't play the same position and they have different skill sets. So I think it's a very different fit. Wouldn't be shocked to see her there. Um, you know, she, she was on Dallas. She left there. Is that something that I could see? Not really. I mean, yeah, honestly, I'm scratching my head on where is the good fit? Maybe New York. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? So Indiana is the team that pops out to me and Hmm. they did just sign, uh, they did just sign a ball handler in Daniel Robinson. And obviously with Odyssey, I think you, you can obviously, if you really want to argue about it, is Odyssey a combo, a one, a two, whatever? You could ask her to do any of the three, depending on the team. I think they definitely have the space. It's an expiring contract. And the point of Minnesota probably isn't dealing from a position of strength, again, within this hypothetical that we've constructed here. So from a team like Indiana's perspective, it's a player on expiring deal. But... I would want to come to them 
as Indiana is like, hey, we're really doing you a favor here. How about we trade you our early second round pick and you flip with us and we get your first round pick? Like you try to get something out of them in this position too, because again, it just, I, I wonder if this is the road Minnesota goes down, how much of a market will they even find? Because it's just, there's such a low number of teams, low number of spots. And uh, yeah, I just, I wonder how many options they'll really have. Yeah, I, I guess because of the Daniel Robinson signing, I that wasn't an initial thought of mine. But thinking it over, yeah, I mean, you know, you look you look at their guard position, you and guard positions. I, I you've sold me, you've sold you, Ben. If I ever own a WNBA team, I might give you a job. Might give you a job. Let's talk about Las Vegas Aces. Um, news broke officially. Derek Hamby signed an extension uh, through the 2022 season, and they signed one of the biggest names in free agency. Chelsea Gray, and while the news broke, uh, a little mini doc broke from uh, who was it by actually? The Athletic? No, uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. Um, did a little short mini doc of her and how when she was a free agent last season, um, she went down to Vegas. They brought her down. She interviewed with the team to take interviews, um, and ended up going back to LA, but now ends up signing, which is a nice full circle. Not going to lie, the whole time I was watching it, I I kind of was like, you know, is this collusion? Is it not collusion? What is it? Um, it, it just fit too well that they did that doc and it worked out. But, but something that was really interesting is there was a scene there where uh, Allison Gaylor, uh, Chelsea Gray's agent, and Chelsea Gray and Chelsea's wife were all sitting around the table talking about the new CBA because this was right around when the new CBA came out. And they were basically pinpointing the key points in it that would affect her. And one of the things they said was basically like, you got to go back to like, essentially, you're going to lose out money if you don't go back to L.A. for a year at least. But either way, you only want to sign a one year contract so you have more freedom next year and you can get more money. I think this is a huge signing. Um I think she fits this team better than Kayla McBride. And honestly, the last few seasons as the Aces brought on Liz, as the Aces brought on Angel McCautry, this has got to be, and obviously it's easier to say this now that they have all those players, but this is the first time that I've legitimately looked at this team and said, wow, if I'm anybody else in this league, I'm scared. What are your thoughts of these moves by the Las Vegas Aces? Well, going back to the little documentary thing, even when it was just the trailer, yeah, it, it was funny <laughs> to see that queued up. But no, there's nothing wrong with it. Even back then, Chelsea was a restricted free agent, so it was well within her her rights to go visit with another team, obviously, because if you're restricted, you could even sign an offer sheet with that team. So. I mean, there's no problem with it. Is it is Ben? I'm I'm trying to get some collu- like some exciting collusion talk here, but fine. You just knocked it out of the water. Fine. Well, I mean, it's I mean, if we're gonna like point to it on the NBA NBA side, I mean, the jokes the jokes can be funny sometimes, but it's also like this year where the Bucks had a draft pick stolen taken from them, which is just like okay, but on on the Aces here with 
getting Chelsea Gray, I mean, you know, on one hand, Caleb McBride maybe was just ready for a change anyways. Again, you know, what, what each party is thinking with all this is always interesting to find out what you can and to notice when stuff like that does trickle out. But, I mean, with getting Chelsea, it's it's someone that can have the ball when the clock's going down and to do something for you. And especially with the position that the Aces are in, Kelsey Plum's coming off a major injury. And Angel McCautry is already, they're really guarding her minutes very closely already and going to be a free agent next year. So what's her future going to be? So that, that Chelsea's just, her skill, her standing within the league has already been established, but what she can do specifically is just so valuable. So for the aces to, to have, to have that, to add to what they already have is really important. And they can't, they couldn't have passed really passed on that opportunity. So, yeah, I, well, I, don't have... I, I do. Can I just add to that real quick? When it comes yeah. to Angel McCautry, I do agree that they have been protecting. I mean, it's, it's not like an, I agree. It's like obvious they've been protecting your minutes. I am curious though, this coming season, because there was a very big difference between last season and this season where Angel McCautry did not like was coming back from injury, played just a, a short spurt of games overseas. Right now, she's playing a full season overseas. So in my mind, it, actually, wait, is she? I got to check. I thought she was playing, or at least she's planning on playing more overseas this offseason from what I've heard, if my memory serves me correctly. So Part of me questions if she'll have the same minute restrictions that she had this past year. That's that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe in one sense it does improve, but then they're improve, but they're also gonna. Well, you're possibly gonna be back to also having actual travel again mm-hmm. as a factor in there too. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I don't for now for the Aces. It's just they're gonna be right up there, and the interesting part will obviously be once seeing them actually on the on the court and how it starts to to come together the handy part too to touch on that again obviously not not really much to question there you do it if you can to have another year locked up that just helps you overall you know sell sell to other players to even just to your own team as you are uh, I think Dan Padover actually talked about that on that live chat with with Doug Feinberg when the GMs were on there about you have to continuously recruit your own players, which he said he felt was maybe an underrated aspect of this. So if you get a chance to, you know, get that stuff done, done and out of the way ahead of time, that can help, which maybe that, maybe that'll even include a, an extension for Asia Wilson too, which would obviously be nice. Oh yeah. I mean, the aces are a scary team. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, with Jisoo Park, is she coming over? Um, You know, things like that. But you know, you know, with D Rob leaving, there's still some questions. You know, who's going to come over? Uh, regarding, they still have some open spots on their roster, even if they're only going to play with eleven players, um, even ten players. They still got some open spots, so it's going to. I'm I'm curious to see what they do in the guard position, uh, in that bench role. Obviously, they have Jackie Young, who really flourished last year, but the makeup of this team, I think, there's still some question marks. But I, you know, I tweeted out earlier today asking for WNBA fans uh, to talk to me, tell me your power rankings as of now, as of you know all the moves that have happened, and it was pretty interesting. I mean, it's, this isn't the first time in the last few years that the Aces have been on top of the way too early power rankings. Um, would would you consider them being a top team 
in your power ranking, Ben, because I noticed you either chose to ignore my tweet or you just uh, didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, that was totally on purpose. Um, I don't know if I just had to pick one because we don't. I don't know what what the final, the close to final version of Washington is. I mean, you'd mentioned there's some stuff with Vegas. I mean, I think they're mostly done. You know, they're gonna unless there's some kind of trade that they're cooking up, but they got their first round pick and then either Lindsay Allen or they signed somebody to me. So, yeah. and the, the Washington stuff, it seems, you know, there's no reason to doubt it. Right. Mike Tebow had said he expected Tina Charles to get taken care of soon. And, and Natasha cloud can only negotiate with the, the mystics and there's no reason to, to poke a hole there. So between those two teams, Right now, for me, if Liz Cambage is also signed, if if the if if the Aces have everybody, and they actually get a runway to actually play together, I, I think I might have them as as the favorite in Washington at two. Wow, Washington at two, something I won't do. But as everybody knows, I am the perennial Washington hater, as it were. Um, so. There's, there's just something that irks me about this team that I'm, I'm never feel fully comfortable or confident, but Hey, I'm a, I'm a crazy guy, but that's, you just, that's you a just per- hate packs. Yes. That's what it is. You know, the, one time he threw some popcorn at me in the media section and I never forgave him. Um, or <laughs> he, he made me whiff on a high five. Um, any final thoughts on the aces? I mean, I feel like we've kind of, we've pounded that one out. Um, any final thoughts before we make a perfect segue to uh, Pax's team, the Washington Mystics? Let's go for it. Washington Mystics have signed Alicia Clark and re-signed Latoya Sanders, Latoya Pringle Sanders. Always like to give a shout out to her maiden name because I find it amazing. Um, Washington Mystics, I mean, a great move. In the uh, presser that I spoke about earlier with Coach T., he talked about the amazingness of Alicia Clark. We've heard a lot about that publicly. Um, I like this fit a lot. My concern with the Alicia Clark fit is, and 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 actually, you know what? Let's air out this grievance. I have a concern, and I obviously you don't share this concern as deeply as me. So I'm going to air my concern, and if you will tell me why I'm wrong or why I'm overreacting. Here's what my concern is. Assuming they sign Tina, assuming they sign Emma, right? Assuming that Natasha Cloud comes back. The starting lineup looks like this. Natasha Cloud, Alicia Clark, Ariel Atkins, EDD, and some mixture of Latoya Sanders, Emma Mieseman, and um, Tina Charles. Well, when I look or Heinz Allen or Heinz Allen, excuse me, I would, excuse me. It's just a guess, but I would guess it's going to be Tina Charles, at least to start, get that first. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and honestly, I mean, Maisha Heinz Allen, I, I think I, I will be the first to say, I don't give her enough respect in, in, in the terms of when I'm analyzing this team, like talking in depthly about them, I don't always give her enough respect that add her to why I think this team is a scary team because she is a scary, scary player. She will beat you. Um, My concern is 
while I've seen, while I'm a big fan of Natasha Cloud, and I always call her um, the orchestrator. She orchestrates their offense. My concern looking at, uh, looking at Clark, looking at Howard, uh, sorry, uh, Cloud, and looking at uh, Atkins. When I look at those three players, in comparison to you know, the championship season. And and I also think that a lot of people who are real hyped on this team view it through that championship season perspective and like, oh, last year was a wash. The year before they won it and all these players didn't play. This is a very, very different roster in my mind. Losing Christy Tolliver's playmaking ability is a big loss as much as I hated on her uh, or criticized some aspects of her game while she was with them. And also losing powers, as it is reported as now, also really concerns me. So in my mind, I'm looking at those those the one through three, the guards, and I'm saying to myself, hey, this is concerning for me because all three of them aren't exactly the type of player who truly creates their own shot, in my mind. Could be wrong. And so for me, it just, and obviously you have EDD who's going to get double teams and she's going to be able to pass out of it, and I get that. But to me, it's just... The, the playmaking ability, the individual playmaking ability of Tolliver and Powers leaves me for concern for this team to have the same offensive efficiency that a lot of people, I think, are kind of dubbing them to have. What's your thought on that? Am I crazy? Do I, am I on to something, but I'm still wrong? Talk to me. I think it's a natural thing to bring up in going into the season how much it's entirely subjective how much you think that's going to matter at the end of the day, right? Because take what came to my mind as you were saying that, take the aces as an example. What are people going to say about the aces? Oh, they don't have enough shooting. Okay, and then what are people... So, and then what you said about the mystics, I think is a popular thing that'll come up. So there's always going to be something, right? Like with players or with teams, there's also going to be... it. The, there's always that element of it can be easier to find and nitpick even the stuff that someone or team doesn't have but then like what do what do they actually have (laughs) so like i think it's so that that makes it funny to me to to juxtapose them with with the aces so yeah and on one hand when the clock winds down if you think about it you're gonna run you're gonna run natasha cloud pick and roll throw the ball to deladon throw the ball the ball to misaman or heinz allen you know, the chance that they play with, with three bigs, throw it inside to Tina Charles. I, I still think they have, they're going to have plenty of stuff to do, especially with Deladon at going at full tilt, who is still a top two player, probably at minimum in the league if she's healthy. So at, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll have to see how much that matters. But yeah, I, I understand bringing it up, but I, I guess like to what point, is that going to cost them? I think that's I think that's the thing to maybe more focus on. Is that going to keep them from making the semifinals if they're if they're healthy? I I don't think so. And and fair point. I should say to play devil's advocate to myself, I will note in the 2019 season when they won the championship, they also had Christy Tolliver injured for a nice portion of the end of that season, where they did play very well. But then out to play devil's advocate on my devil's advocate, they had aerial powers. So it goes back and forth. That's that's where my concern is. That's where my hiccup is. Um, that yeah, and 
and we'll with see what power, ends up happening. Powers too. I I had said plenty before the off season. If they could, I they, they should obviously want to keep her. And Mike Tebow saying they had a verbal agreement. Clearly, they did want to at least uh, to a certain dollar amount. You know, obviously we didn't hear specifics on that. But going back to 2019 when we got to the playoffs, Powers wasn't necessarily on the was was wasn't necessarily on the floor as part of every closing lineup, right? So that that's the part of this team too is Mike Tebow has to kind of decide, you know, one, just who can we fit and who do we want? But there's also a point of, hey, like these players are all competitive. They know that they're good. Uh, I'm sure at least part of them, you know, they, they seem, they obviously had great chemistry and seemed to all get along well. But there's also, I'm sure, a, a part of you that says, hey, I want to actually be on the court in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, every, right? Every player, if you're a competitor, everyone should say that, right? Well, all right. <laughs> Let's move on. Also, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I thought it was a rhetorical question. No, <laughs> I mean, it kind of was, but I, I, I always mean, appreciate it. Like ignoring you like I ignore your tweets. I know. No, I don't get enough tweet likes. Follow me on Twitter, Winsider Aria, at Winsider Aria. Um, shameless plug. Let's talk about the Atlanta dream. All right. They have some exciting young talent. The news broke that Cheyenne Parker signed with them. I think it's a great fit. I'm curious your take. I know I have harped and you too have harped on the concern of Atlanta's front court and too many of their front court players being of that same style of play, excelling in the same aspects and deselling uh, in the same aspects as well. I'm curious to you, you know, there's the Chicago did the old switcheroo with C Parker. Atlanta is the, is the new team with a new C Parker. What does this do for the Atlanta dream in your mind? They, I mean, they just got another good player in the front court with, with Cheyenne and, the the fit part of it it i think they're i think it's they're going to have some growing pains or they're just are going to be some some components of this that aren't perfect if Cheyenne's playing with Elizabeth Williams and you want to post Cheyenne Parker up well then what's what's Elizabeth Williams doing while that's happening right cuz she no one's going to guard her if she's standing away from the basket and if you're trying to get Elizabeth Williams go on roll into the basket and pick and roll is Cheyenne Parker might have to, well, she probably will. And you would think Atlanta clearly saw this as part of the vision for her is that she's going to up her three point attempts in a way we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And that that'll really be successful in her Cheyenne and her presser had, had referenced that, that Nikki Collins said, you know, paraphrasing, but they wanted to let it fly. And Cheyenne mentioned she's been working on our range and she thinks it's better than, then people realize, and if Atlanta's going to give her this contract, clearly they believe in that. So I think we're going to have to see that part of her game scaled up, and the fit might be a little tough if they're going to, in in some spots, and if they want to play Parker at the five to play through her inside a little bit, I don't think they have a very good option at the four yet to, to open up that space for her. Shakina Strickland, I, I think they'll have to find some pretty choice matchups with teams that are also playing small to go that route. So they don't really have that, that part buttoned up that, that would be nice to have one more option there. 
Oh, I agree with you. I mean, looking at this, it it makes me happy. I like the move. Also, looking at their salary cap situation, they got, you know, it. it's easy to just look at it in the short term. But in my mind, at least, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe some, some coaches, some GMs, some elite basketball minds will tell me otherwise. When you have a young stud talent of Kennedy Carter on this team, you're and you have her on a rookie scale contract for the next few years. You're a little less worried the fact that Courtney Williams is a free agent after this season. Shakina's a free Shakina Strickland's a free agent after the season. Tiffany Hayes is a free agent after the season. Elizabeth Williams is a free agent after this season. Monique Billings is a free agent after this season. I mean, looking at this roster, I like the Cheyenne Parker move because it's a long-term deal also. And I do think that she's going to be a great fit for a longer term than just this season. Like you said, there might be some growing pains um, figuring out which lineups work best. It's going to be interesting to see this team moving forward. Not like I know it's hard for us as we analyze this move, you know, in a vacuum of this season, but to take a step back and kind of view it in a long term. That's a great cornerstone to have to pair with a Kennedy Carter, in my opinion. Am I wrong? Yeah, that's that's the part to focus on because they made Parker a priority by giving her this longer deal. And there's absolutely that that pick and roll chemistry you can have with Kennedy Carter, something to build on long term. And when you're in Atlanta's position, especially, you can't get too picky either, right? You can't say, well, we have this is what we have and we need something that fits 100% perfectly in every aspect of the game. That's never going to happen. So you got a chance to sign a good player. You got to do it. They might get to Parker and Williams might work out better than we think, or they could also just get to a point down the line where they end up doing something different, but you had to get actually get Parker or some other good player in the building first. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. It'll be interesting. I mean, I could very well see Atlanta still making some moves, shuffling things around. I Not that this is based on anything other than I can't get it out of my mind, uh, is a Stunadur going to Atlanta. We already know there was that interest, right, last season. They, they made an offer sheet. Chicago matched it and then dealt her over uh, to Dallas, where she really didn't play much. It's it's hard, you know. I'm a I'm a hard headed, stubborn guy. So when when I got that idea in my head, as I'm not the only one to get in their head, it's hard for me to shake it. We'll see if anything ends up happening. Um, but just talking about, you know, if you want to get Parker going in into the paint, you can't really pull out Elizabeth Williams for fear of her hitting a deep shot. That's exactly why. Like I don't fear Elizabeth Williams' shot. If you interchange Elizabeth Williams in a stew. I think we're talking about a, a, a very different situation. Am I wrong? I, I know that I, I proposed that trade. Uh, oh, so it's your fa- it's your fault that I, it's like a song that I can't get no, out of my head. No, because I'm about to disagree with you. I know that I proposed a, a version of a trade for those teams to consider. But now that they've signed Parker, I wouldn't want to do it for Atlanta. In, in a vacuum for a smaller, if it's a smaller contract, Sure, I agree on the fit part of it, but two more years of a stew on a max contract, I don't think I don't think that should be appealing to Atlanta. I think you have to try other options. You know, Tiana Hawkins is still a free agent. Can they get her for for a one year deal to 
to be that stretch option for them off the bench. Now that they've got Parker, in a way, I think I think they kind of uh, th- this ended up working out better for them, even though they initially did sign a stew to that offer sheet. You know, one or the other. I think I think you'd have universal agreement. You'd rather have Cheyenne if you had to pick between those two players, and you already laid out all the free agents they're going to have next year to also have that other max contract on your books. I don't know if you want to be married to an Astu Parker uh, partnership as opposed to just keeping your options open because we just talked about Minnesota, right? So I think next off season or just when this off season's over too, more generally with the league, we talked about the Minnesota protected contract situation. It's going to start to get interesting if teams are in positions where they're trying to get rid of a contract or they would just rather not have it and the the options around the league for teams to easily take on those salaries, those aren't going to be there, right? Like if New York yep. goes and spends more of their money, who else even has cap space? Who can you just trade a contract to? <laughs> like Indiana, is that it? But they might, I mean, they might do more spending still too. So, so that like those, those options may go away. And I think, I think that might be an important aspect that might get overlooked too, is, is teams might have to, there might be something like that could this could be an example of something that you're really close on and you might even like a lot of the merits of it but i think for me for that proposition i think atlanta would have to walk away yeah you gotta think long term so so now you're the guy who hummed the tune got it stuck in my head i can't stop humming it and you're already on to a new song um so they didn't have Cheyenne parker back then now they do (laughs) no I, i hear you i'm with it um Shall we move on to the Seattle Storm? Yeah, what's are you are you are you digging their twenty twenty one grave already? <laughs> lost Alicia Clark. They lost Alicia Clark. They no longer uh, have the the most Israeli basketball players uh, on one team, so I no longer can predict them to win it. No, um, look, I think Alicia Clark is going to be a huge loss for that team, right? In a, in a similar sense to um, Elena Beard, in the sense that she was that lockdown defender. And she had the flexibility to cover a wide span of, stylists, of styles of players. Um, that can't be spoken about enough when you talk about Alicia Clark. And then, you know, she is the prototype of the 3 and D, right? She can hit the three-point shot very well. We saw that throughout her career and this past season in their championship run. Heck, both their championship runs. For me, it's a question of can they're not going to find one player who is going to match Alicia Clark on both sides of the ball. The question then becomes, okay, who can we find? In my opinion, the defensive side of things is the most important. Who can we find who can kind of help us stop the bleeding as it were for our defense who can we find you're not going to find there aren't there are not many shutdown defenders in this league right and alicia clark is one of those top tier defenders so that's a big concern to me uh it, it it's all out there epiphany prince has signed with the team great player utmost respect for her i think she holds the record for like most points ever scored in the high school um game with like 113 breaking cheryl miller's I think we always need to give respect to that obviously they're on opposite coasts 
Um, the signing doesn't, I like it. Cool. Great. It's a bench piece. I don't see her as a starter. So I, I, I just can't be too excited about it. Right. I mean, if you're talking about still having Alicia Clark, or if we were talking about this team adding Ariel Powers or Kayla McBride or Benajah Laney to fill the Alicia Clark void, then this is a different story. But as it currently stands, yeah, I'm I'm concerned for Seattle. If I'm a Seattle fan, I'm a little bit worried about them running it back. Yeah, so on the on the Clark front, so one, Washington, they lost powers, but they were able to sign Clark. And there was a really strong class of wing players in this free agent group here. But those those names are now all off the board. And none of them ended up in Seattle. So what what's the you know what are the next best options on their board right now right that would obviously be fascinating to see because on one hand if they're looking to see what they can do as far as the trade goes and maybe that have to be for a younger player i wonder if they would be in competition with somebody like phoenix who i wonder if they're looking for maybe a 3 and d player too because they have, they obviously have the the three-headed monster at guard and yeah, if you're just going to sign somebody, it's just a, a, a different class of player. And I think you can find a solid defensive player. You know, I think Shanice Johnson, if she's healthy, good defensive player on the wing. But Clark, whatever she shot last season, right? Over 50%, was it, from three? So you might, So you might not get that part of it. So you might not get everything. Well, you probably won't. All in, all in one package from what they lost. So how, how are they going to pivot from here? The the one thing I've I've been circling is are they just going to maybe be a little bit smaller on the perimeter? And is Jewel Lloyd essentially going to be the three? Jewel, Jewel's a solid defender in her own right, and she can maybe take on some of those assignments, maybe not some of the bigger players with more of a power game. But then when, you're play, when you get smaller on the perimeter, not even about Jewel to put her aside, but then you're putting a second, possibly smaller guard, so then the matchups can get pretty tricky, right? Think about going up against Vegas, and you got to throw someone at McCautry and Chelsea Gray, right? So, yeah, it, I, I'm pretty fascinated to see what they do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. Moving Jewel to the three, um, you know, playing around with that is an interesting one, especially, I know the team's hyped on Jordan Canada, then you do have a very size deficient backcourt um and and just to to bring the stats i know it's a it's a goal of mine to be able to just rifle stats off the top of my head i'm still not at that point yet but hey give me two more seasons i'll be dropping these numbers like chelsea gray drops a dime i don't know um but if you talk about the 2020 season for alicia clark she shot 52.2 percent from three and 55.8% field goal percentage from the floor, which is just absurd. So yeah, that I mean, that that's concerning for the team, um, both ends. Offensively, I, I definitely agree with you. That's, that's a, definite, a definite concern. Any final thoughts on Epiphany Prince? Yeah, I was, I was wondering what would happen with Prince if they were going to bring her back. And if they are going to go that route of being smaller on the perimeter, then keeping another guard around makes sense. You want someone else that can handle the ball that can function 
that can truly function as a combo, right? If if she's with a bench unit and maybe, hey, we need you to bring the ball up for us more here, but, oh, hey, now you're in this lineup, you're playing with Subert or Canada. So th there is there is real value in that. And, and again, it's just wondering how, what else is going to happen because they don't have Clark in there with this big salary, but wherever they end up, I'm sure they'll, they'll be, you know, they'll be right up, right up against the cap eventually. So we'll see what their first round pick it's, it's further down there. So I, I can understand an argument to, as an example, to sign Prince rather than just relying, are you just relying on possibly drafting a guard late in the first round and and also kitty loxa if she comes over and you're relying i'm on so I'm, I'm happy i was gonna butcher her team. name i was gonna butcher her name and ask you when you're gonna bring her up there you go asked <laughs> and answered so I, I i jays and names are just too confusing for me um so yeah whatever yeah. <laughs> and, and also and the final thing yeah. i don't know i wonder if i don't know if morgan tuck is gonna is gonna factor in here now because mm. i wrote that Tuck seems to be the big winner <laughs> it, as, as uh, backwards as that can sound to still talk about Seattle that way, but the biggest winner of them losing Clark, are they maybe going to try to play Tuck at the three? I, I think that was, I know that was something that Gary Kloppenberg, I think it was when this had been brought up, had brought it up as a possibility for this season. And Tuck just seemed to be a little banged up and never really got in their rotation. So is that, something they're going to try to do there. And there's another example of the, of the trade-off. Tuck has some size and she can shoot, hasn't put it together to have a really real, someone you'd call a really strong offensive season and isn't necessarily the stopper type, but that, you know, you're, you're at the stage now where, where you've just, you've got to, uh, you've got to maybe piece that together and maybe you can have a few different options that maybe excel in different ways. I agree. And Morgan Tuck's an interesting one. Crystal Langhorn too is an interesting one. You know, is she is she going to continue with this team? She's still on contract. Um, but I, I think those are those are some players uh, that I'm looking at just with with raised eyebrows or furrowed eyebrows of what's going on. Should we run down Indiana, LA, New York, Phoenix, and Connecticut real quickly to to cap off the episode? Just give our our thoughts on it. Sure. I mean, Indiana, maybe we can talk a little bit there. Well, then break it down. <laughs> what, did, what, what did Indiana do? I, Indiana hasn't, you know, everyone, uh, when all the news was, was leaking out, uh, like the Titanic, no, that's too soon. Uh, while all the news was leaking out like a leaky bucket, lots of Indiana fans, very upset that their team did not make moves. They have not disappointed in regards to making moves in the first three days. Tell us who they signed. Yeah, Jantel Lavender and then Danielle Robinson. Lavender came first. Three-year protected contracts for both players. So right now at this stage in the game, and Christina Williams had also reported that Candace Dupree will not be back in Indiana. These, these are big financial commitments to these players. And Lavender... That's almost a max salary for three seasons to also protect it. That That's just too much. That's an overpay. And yeah, if you want to come here, be our vet. But she's also coming off two foot surgeries and will have basically have not played in almost two years in a WNBA game. 
So that was a pretty hefty price to, to pay. And when we talked about Minnesota, I, I had wondered aloud there if were they trying to bring back a Chandra first? What was the order there? Did they maybe have a similar deal on the table? And then if they were trying to get a Chanwa and then they couldn't, did they maybe panic a little bit with this? I, I think they definitely needed to draw a line in the sand with Lavender and Robinson reported coming in a little bit less in terms of the salary. And D-Rob had a strong season, so good for her to go get this contract. I just like, what's the vision though for Indiana here? D-Rob's a really strong defender at the position, no doubt, can give them some pace. But if you want to play through two young post players, we saw how teams sag off a Robinson. That's going to be a problem with your half-court offense. And also, our, with the, sitting on that number four pick, there's a pretty good chance they can they can select one of the top point guards in this class. So if they're going to do that too, okay, maybe you can still play both of them. It, it just... I think I'm not really sure who they had to compete against with these two offers at this much, especially on Lavender. So I I just think the the third year, especially, but also just the overall commitment. I think I think it was too much for where they're at. No, I, I you're not going to hear me disagree on that. I'm a big fan of Lavender, but I think the price is too much. Um, I criticize D Rob's game quite often. Not my style of game. Obviously, I, I won't deny it. I'm not a hater. She had a great season this past year, did some amazing stuff uh, over in Las Vegas. This is a very different setup, a very different team. I'm curious how it's going to fit, but my opinion is uh, is well-documented on D-Rob, um, and I, I don't think this moves. I don't think either of these moves move the needle for Indiana, so I'm unimpressed. I don't think this gets Indiana out of the lottery for next season. Um, while, you know, other moves that we've talked about, whether you're talking about Minnesota, the Aces, Washington, heck, even Atlanta, I think really affected, at least in most people's minds, where they stand in the power structure of this league. Whereas the moves from Indiana really, in my mind, didn't do that. Is that fair? No, I mean, I mean, unimpressed is probably isn't strong enough of a word. I mean, this, these are like, they deserve a negative grade for these moves with what they're doing here, because I touched on it earlier, just what, you know, what's the need, what's the rush to spend this money and to commit this money to these specific players? Because yeah, I understand wanting to get somebody well then do a big one year deal. Cause where are those players even getting that somewhere else? Or maybe do a second year if you have to, but just to overextend yourself like this way out into the future, with contracts you're gonna you're you're probably gonna be stuck with. You know, next year, who's to say you can't get someone you like more? Because again, where are you going anyways? So maybe that's part of the problem if they're misdiagnosing where they're at and maybe what they should even be focusing on. You know, in terms of are they a playoff team and something like that. But also the trade component, teams might look to move some salaries and when you have cap space you can be in a you can be in a favorable position to try to extract a draft pick from somebody or a young player to get with that contract that the other team wants to move. But now, if you have if you have, you know, the the picture is more crowded here for Indiana. And again, not writing off the veteran leadership aspect of this, but a three year protected contract is not is not the way to uh, 
is not the best way to uh, make sure that they have that. I agree. Moving on to LA, because unless you want to stop me, but you haven't stopped me. So moving on to LA, LA Sparks, who have lost Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray so far in this free agency. They did retain Neka Gumake, which you spoke about in the last episode. The latest signing is Erica Wheeler, who was previously on Indiana, did not play this past season in the bubble. Uh, the season before, she was the All-Star Game MVP, or as I like to call it, she won the Maya Moore Award. I like the signing. It's a good move. Um, you know, obviously, you lose Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker. There is not going to be another player or players in free agency that's going to fully make up for that. But I like that they looked around and said, hey, who can fit this this team? Uh, who can Who can be an offensive threat? Uh, and Erica Wheeler is definitely an offensive threat. My concerns are defensively and her ability to uh, facilitate the ball to other players on this roster. And, you know, when, when I think of Erica Wheeler, you know, maybe the third, fourth thing when I think of her is passer. When I think of Christy Tolliver, maybe the third, fourth thing I think about her is passer. So my concern now becomes, um, while I do like the move, Who's going to be running this offense and facilitating for the other players, for the Brittany Sykes, uh, for the Neka Gumake, the Maria Vidiva, or the Shanae's? Um, you know, there there are some concerns that I think are legitimate concerns. I don't know. That I'm, I don't think I'm quite as worried about the passing part of it. I might be worried about the options those two guards have to pass to, especially <laughs> to knock down some perimeter shots. But you've got Sydney Weiss in the rotation there and you know Wheeler and Tolliver can kick it out to each other you'll have that part of it the but look at Wheeler that's that was reported as a two-year deal look at that why like why didn't Indiana just do that with their players the Sparks aren't winning a title with this team in the next couple years without making another major move then do a two-year deal instead of three like you got to get something back as the team when you're negotiating here and it just Mm -hmm. so this doing these two back to back and obviously Wheeler came from had last played with Indiana, but I just think that's such a perfect example where you got to get something from the team side out of these negotiations. Well, and, and, and I would say that like looking at the reported contracts, we're talking about 155 versus 180. I'm shelling out that extra. Like I know I've hated on D Rob before, but I'm shelling out the extra, you know, 25k 30k to get erica wheeler as opposed to d rob maybe maybe that's crazy that's my take well but i would count right back if i were wheeler at at this point i would wouldn't you rather be wouldn't you rather play with la than indiana at this point yeah that seems to be a slightly more impressive overall situation no i agree with that moving on to new york new york liberty size but not signed Benai Jelani, great signing. You know, one of the top wings in this in this uh, in this free agency period. We talked about her at at length. Um, a great signing for this New York team. Um, some stability. She's a great two way player. Stability is when I think of Benai Jelani, Stability is what I think of. And with everything we saw from New York, I like this move. I don't really have a complaint. I mean, I I don't think. There was going to be a team who signs 
Benajelani, and I'm going to sit here and complain about it. So uh, give me your thoughts before we move on to Phoenix. Yeah, I, I was I ranked Laney really high with the free agency rankings and even talking about wing targets for some of these teams, including the ones that are closer to contention. So I'm not going to balk at the, the price tag and to you know take the Laney one in, in contrast to some of the contracts we're talking about. Laney's going to start. She's got some of her best basketball ahead of her. So you know that's a pretty important you know, part of this. So for someone that maybe is a little more skeptical or even just would like to see a little bit more of Laney doing what she did last season, I, I understand if there are people that feel that way. But again, I, I was already kind of expecting or thinking someone should give this kind of offer to Laney. And I, I, I certainly have no problem with New York doing it. Moving on to the Phoenix Mercury with the biggest shocker of free agency. They signed for a two-year deal. Hopefully that means she will be playing for two more years. Uh, Diana Taurasi. No one's shocked by that. You know, some people tried to uh, get the rumor buzz going saying, oh, what about, you know, maybe we haven't heard any rumors about her because she's going to go join uh, Sue Bird in Seattle. That's not happening. Uh, she is continuing, continuing her legacy in Phoenix. I mean... I'll, I'll, do we need to comment on this, Ben? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's a ton to say. Ton to say there. Now they've got their their four big contracts. They've got a bunch of minimum players. Then they have the the number six pick, and maybe Nia Coffey's back there. So just how do they how do they fill out the rest here? Or as as I brought up with the Seattle section, are they are they a tra- a team that's trying to make some moves? You would think if if they at least are willing to to push in their first round pick this year and maybe even their one next year that there at least would be some options available to them, but they, 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 they do have some constraints now with, with the bigger salaries that they have. Yeah. And, and I will say the people I'm looking at is Jessica Breland or Kia Vaughn. Um, you know, Kia Vaughn had a great season, especially after Brittany Griner's departure of the bubble. Uh, Jessica Breland never got to suit up for them. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to me. I've kind of got my eyes on those two players. Two players, I mean, Breland's a player that I think a lot of people are super hyped on. Uh, and the question is more so, you know, which direction do we see this Phoenix team going in? I don't specifically think I'm going to see them signing both those players. But hey, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. The Connecticut Sun signed Alyssa Thomas, even with knowledge of her injury. I think that was noteworthy. Uh, I think it's also noteworthy that the team decided that they're going to pay her and they got her for four years at a very, very nice size contract. It's going to be interesting. John Cole Jones becomes an unrestricted free agent after this season. And so does beyond January. So that's kind of where my head goes. Um, Alyssa Thomas, obviously very frustrating, uh, sad and, and, and just sucks. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It just sucks that we're not going to see her. Uh, we've talked about this at length. Dwana Bonner is going to be halfway through her four-year contract before, at earliest, we see the big three of Bonner, John Quill Jones, and Alyssa Thomas playing together for Connecticut. Any thoughts on Alyssa Thomas? I view this as a no-brainer. Yeah, well, just what, what else were they going to do? Are you really going to... Yeah, I mean, you just don't have any options. Are you? What are you going to do with, with one of the pillars of your 
of this team that you've built up over a period of years here. So the fact that it is a longer deal like this, the the aspect of John Quill Jones becoming a free agent, the the one thing that I can, think can be important now is, you know, go ahead, go right ahead and core John Quill Jones, right? Because Bonner and AT are already taken care of contractually. But as far as what they do this season, we don't have any reported terms yet for Jasmine Thomas or Brianna Jones. So that's going to be interesting. It's it's too hard to say right now without having those what what they even have what options they might even have as far as as far as having any kind of cap space that they, they might you know be pretty close to not they might not have much at all left to speak of any final thoughts on the free agency recap yeah uh the two teams we didn't get to you know chicago haven't had any transactions to speak of we talked about Candace parker Last time, we'll see what else they do. And then Dallas, the one we didn't get to, Alicia Gray, re-signing. Or did we do that last time? That's a good point. We did not do that. Alicia Gray re-signs. Here we are. There we go. <laughs> Here we are. No, I, I like the move. You know, no, no complaints there. I think it's a smart move for this team, especially considering how young they are and how well she played over the past few seasons. So, you know, she had a little bit of a sophomore slump. I like the move. Not going to complain about it. Yeah, I mean, last two years especially, Gray's Gray's been really impressive and somebody for them to uh, really build really build around. And I remember, I think it was after Gray's rookie season, maybe it was after her first one. I think she was asked a question, some form of, what did she want to? You know, every player gets asked, what do you want to improve on, or what do you want to do next season, and. She mentioned, like, I want to make an all-defense team. I just thought that was pretty cool, right? Because you don't necessarily hear players bring that up as one of the first things they want to talk about. And I know Vicky Johnson had given a quote, I believe, something of wanting to be have her be one of the best two-way players in the league. So playing next to Arike Gumbwale, that's certainly what they need. They, they need someone to take on some of those tougher assignments, but also to... to really be a big threat out there. And I think she took some steps with that, her driving game, getting to the free throw line, but also seems to have really sped up her three-point shot and also is just letting those fly a little bit more often, which just makes her tougher and tougher to guard. I like where your head's at. Let me remind you, Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. We can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider. For just a few dollars a month, you can directly help grow the game. And by the way, shout out to all of our fans before we close off for this episode. We have just hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. We appreciate you. We respect you. And we're thankful for the support that you give us. So thank you. And we look forward to being in your ears the next time.